Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this in various ways, but the most efficient way is the blog, lordgaul.podbean.com, or you can get me on the iTunes search engine. Also working on getting it on Spotify. Been a little bit of a tr- you know struggle with that for some reason, but that should be the next one. But other than that, uh, let's uh, get right into it. Um, Glory 80 went down, and... Despite what happened to the action of the ring, the thing that most comes up is going to be the fight. And uh, there's a big, huge, um, uh, there were, I guess what you would call, uh, one person put it, Polish soccer hooligans. Uh, I can't, you know, say what, uh, what country or where the individuals were from, but clearly strategically planned during the Badahari fight with, um, you know, a very, you know, uh, uh, fight that was going Rosericks way at the, at the time. Um, we had the action, Badahari getting his offense going, Rosericks finding his moments. Rosericks catches, uh, uh, Badahari with a jumping knee. Badahari survives, gets to the corner. And all of a sudden, a lot of, uh, thank you to all the people pull out phones to get footage. There are all these kind of uh, soccer goons who take their shirt off and then they just start yelling and then they just make up their mind. They're going to go over the the railing there, kind of that separated the floor seats from the, um, you know, the the, the right, the risen seats are the uh, bleacher seats. And then they just start throwing chairs. And then, of course, the crowd starts start throwing back. I, and I'll go ahead and retract this as a tweet, worried that this was a Badahari audience thing because things weren't going the way his way. And, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, he's got a fan base that's a little bit rowdy. But this is clearly not them. And if it was them, they were responding to violence that came their way. Because these gentlemen who clearly use this platform as, you know, their opportunity to really go off... When you see all the guys with their shirts off, then you know it's scripted. You know that that was their plan all along, that this is where we're going to make our scene. It is unfortunate, as I posted, because the thing that makes kickboxing special, and, you know, I, I make, foot, you know, kickboxing highlights. I truly fell in love with this sport 20, you know, two years ago now. Um, it really means a lot to me to see kickboxing flourish and for people to see it at its highest level and of course we've just taken black guy after black guy we've lost star after star but i still love kickboxing you know and i still love muay thai no matter what and when this happened especially after what was looking like a very entertaining event i was just heartbroken i was heartbroken that we had a sold out event and the stage was set for it to you know go down great the stars were there the fights were going you know taking place uh uh, we had some upsets and you know it was just The kickboxing product, if you sit there and you watch it live, it is, to me, the best product to watch. You know, I love it. I love the action. But when something like this happens, and I just see tweet after tweet of, there's a brawl that canceled the fight event, and it just completely killed everything that happened before it. And it just was heartbreaking for me because, you know, another, uh, as I tweeted, another black eye for kickboxing in a sport that has no more eyes, you know, like we've got so many, you know, shots, like we just keep fighting through mistake after mistake, uh, you know, management things that fall through events that fall through COVID every blow. We have struggled in kickboxing to handle them at the best. We're doing our best. And some individuals out there are really working hard to make this happen. But when this happened, it just, 
I sat there thinking, okay, it was already tough because it was on at the same time as the UFC England card. So I was like, okay, they're going to compete for eyes right there. And I always want the most eyes on kickboxing when we have that opportunity. So when that didn't happen and then the melee happened, I was just heartbroken. You know, I, I really do want kickboxing to be at its best. And now we've got guys who are not even kickboxers are not even kickboxing fans that said, that's the event to do this. So it really, really uh, was tough for this to happen. Anyways, uh, go ahead. Uh, Jamal Ben Sadiq and Levy Rickers was supposed to be the main event, which s stunned me because if Bader Hari's on a fight card, I expect Bader to be the main event. Uh, so that fight was canceled. Tiffany Von Seuss defeated Manazo Kobayashi, a TKO spinning heel kick, which was placed as good, great as you could place it. Uh, Tiffany had already scored two knockdowns in a fight. Um, Kobayashi, Kobayashi, the main thing was she seemed to struggle physically with Tiffany. She's, she's all right skilled-wise, but Tiffany is such a good athlete, and that's a huge advantage that she has over in the division. And then, you know, unfortunately for Tiffany, the good girls in her weight class, there just isn't a wealth of them in the uh, um, glory kickboxing scene right now. They've got to do much more to sell the whole women's weight class, um, which could be, you know, down the road now that a lot of, you know, COVID restrictions are being lifted. But this was a really good one to, to start off with because their deal with Rise and bringing over Kobayashi, it really did work out well. So it was good for Kobayashi to get that opposition, to feel that level. Uh, but in truth, it is Tiffany Van Seust and everybody else. There isn't a developed weight class as it stands, the notable names that they used to have. Uh, now that there's been a couple of years thanks to COVID, I'm pretty sure most of those girls aren't even under contract anymore. And Kobayashi might work out for a pair, you know, um, like that, you know, that's uh, uh, Alex's sister. That's a really, really good option, I think, for, you know, them down the road. Uh, a, a good fight, I think, that they could put together. So I definitely like that. And um, it's good for everyone in combat sports to go against the best at some period of time in your life. And Tiffany Von Seuss is clearly that in the glory, you know, division. And, you know, for her moving forward, it's just about getting, you know, more athletes around her to help push her as a, as a fighter. Um, there's got to be a division there. People have got to have some excitement for here comes the Tiffany fight. It was important to her to have uh, what she had with Anissa Mexen because that was a person who everybody knew who was an exceptional fighter. But the question, of course, will always come down to will you be able to, you know, win this one? And after several close fights, she's finally able to get that debut. But at least it gave the fight community something to get excited to get behind because they wanted to know if she could beat Anissa, who's, you know, very, very tough and one of the best to ever do it. So when she got that victory, there wasn't the next fighter lined up, unfortunately, because that's when COVID hit. and We weren't able to do some matchups that, that really would have made sense. But I still think that Tiffany is one of the better talent she's a top 10 all-time female Muay Thai kickboxer um her resume speaks for itself and this was a good win for her she showed a little bit of everything just you know to score the spinning attacks to score the the uh you know the overhand right or excuse me the straight right that got the knockdown to just the all-around ring generalship she was clearly the best in the world as for Manaza, like I said before I really like to pair a fight that's a good one um she'll be back and this relationship will continue to produce other fights and other contenders. 
Garrick Belay was able to get a victory over Norton Ben Mo, uh, 30-26 on two cards and 29-27. Uh, Belay had not scored a knockdown in the fight. Belay is a talented guy, and he, I think this will probably position him to fight for the title next. There are some other options, of course, Jauncey, uh, another option out there, but he's been active. So to see Garrick's been active, it makes me excited about where his potential future will be, uh, you know, as far as fighting for the title. Um, I just think that he's the, the makes the most sense. Norda Ben Mo is a talented guy, uh, and he's got some very good wins. And I've said it on the show many, many, many times. One of the all-time, all-time great fights in the history of kickboxing. He is in it. You know what I'm saying? It's it, it's 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 him and it's and uh Jariah, him and Muhammad Jariah are they will live on in history of kickboxing forever for what they did. So Ben Mo has got that type of performance in his back pocket. He can pull that sort of thing out, uh, both in the the one that he lost and the one that he won. He's a talented guy. So wasn't able to get the victory here, but I still think that he is a name that you will hear uh, in the division for a while. Some good matchups to make with him. But for Belay, it makes the most sense that he would fight for the title next. Next uh, was uh, uh, upset as Jay over, uh, Overmere gets a victory over Joss Van Belzen. And again, it wasn't an upset in terms of Overmere had no option, no no chance whatsoever. It's just that we were used to jo uh, Joseph Van uh, Belzen and he had started to build some, you know, some wins on the undercards. And then all of a sudden, Jay put together a great performance, scoring three knockdowns. The last knockdown was a little bit weird. I wasn't sure what was going on with the ref there, but new stars are important. And it's good to have Jay in the division, and hopefully they can build on him, get a couple of wins, you know, see where that gets him in the rankings. But good win there. Sirkin, uh, Askaglayan, uh, I hope I spelled that right, Askaglayan, uh, uh, gets a victory over uh, a true girl, uh, Bayrock. Bayrock, of course, was known for, he fought Alex Pereira for the title once, was stopped with the left hook, but... He's a good, strong guy of the division who's down to fight anybody in the world. And Oscar Galean is a guy who I think is... Uh, they made him prospect of the year last year when he had the victory. Uh, um, I can't remember what glory that card that was. But uh, they need more middleweight contenders. And uh, I think that he is positioning himself to be fighting for the title sooner than later. But this was a good victory. Uh, clearly, we want to see him face someone a little bit higher up now, continue to kind of move up the ranks. But thanks to contracts and people leaving to do MMA and stuff like that, we don't have a willness or something like that to test him. But Sircon gets a victory here, and hopefully they're able to put something together for him down the road. And then, of course, I talked about it before, Artem Vakadov and Luis Tavares not fighting. Tavares looking at the situation in Ukraine and deciding that he didn't want to fight the Russian fighter, even though he had a lot of respect for Artem Vakadov and they had spoken on several times and they'd fought in the past. He just felt like it wasn't a wise decision for him at this time. We move on to one championship. It's got a couple of notable stand-up fights. The big one for uh, those who are really, really into kickboxing. I guess there's a couple, but uh, let's... No, nah, I can't start with the big one. I'll just start with uh, some of the uh, other ones that they have of note. Nicky Holtzkin is going to be doing a Muay Thai fight against Sinsamut uh, Klimny. Uh, he was originally supposed to fight the Russian fighter whose name eludes me, but one championship in Singapore have voiced their, you know, their uh, respect and their, um, uh, their 
decision to side with Ukraine in the situation with Russia, and part of that was to not let the Russian athletes compete. Uh, it is extremely unfortunate for them. Uh, I don't know if this, you know, sometimes they back their guys, sometimes they don't, just like in America. Sometimes people back who's the leader, and sometimes people don't. But it is heartbreaking that they don't get the opportunity to compete. Uh, and uh, he was replaced by Sinsomet Klimi. Uh, we'll see what kind of happens. You always worry about the ties when they move up in weight, uh, when the weight's over 160 pounds. So uh, I think Holtzkin's got a big advantage going into this, already being, you know, preparing for a fight as is, uh, adding on top of the fact that he is, you know, bigger, stronger, has been doing more fights at the weight for a longer time. We'll see what ends up what, what end up happening. The Grand Prix, the Featherweight Kickboxing Grand Prix, it's unfortunate that they didn't do it in one night because so much more buzz would have happened if that came into play. But Sidichai will go against Shinjiz Alazov. Chink is a super talented guy. They, the, the bracket worked out really well for him. So he was able to get some big-time stoppage victories uh, and um, position himself for this opportunity. Sidichai is still Sidichai. Even though he lost a super bond, he's still that dude. Super talented, very good. Uh, I got to imagine he's going to be the favorite. You know, most people who do any kind of judging on this is gonna, or, you know, any kind of predicting on this, it's going to go Sidichai because of his history. Hopefully, Shingez Alazov's got something up, you know, with the... Switch stances and some of his wide shots. Maybe he can, you know, Alzov can catch Sidichai, but it's really hard because you, the thing about beating Sidichai is you can't be perfect because the perfect version of yourself he can beat. You've got to be wild and you've got to throw something that he's not used to. And you've got to dig, you know, when, when you look at when Robert Van Mujmalen was able to get those victories, he was able to score the boxing flurries where Sidichai just had the body kicks. So then he just joked that he would, you know, I boxed him with my arms, no problem. I kept going. Uh, and some people were critical of him. But what Superbon, or excuse me, what Robin Van Roosmalen was trying to express was, I was moving forward and I was giving boxing offense. That's what got me the rounds. Alazov isn't necessarily that style, but, and trying to be that way is going to be really tough. It's letting your hands go. And even if they're getting caught on the guard, it gives you an advantage against Sidichai. So... We'll see what happens. Next fight I want to talk about is the kickboxing world champion between Captain Pitian D as he goes against Hiroku Akimoto. And this is probably one of the easier ones to call. Uh, this is a really, really big time uphill, uh, you know, opportunity for Akimoto. He is a tough guy, talented guy, uh, but he hasn't had a notable run in one championship where you look at him and you go, this is one of the guys to do it. The uh, bantamweight champion, Captain, it, he's talented. He's one of the more skilled guys on the planet. I wish there was more of a tournament style or a field or, or just something to give us more of a map to see what determines a uh, contender, you know, so that we know, okay, Akimoto is fighting because he beat 70 guys, you know. We need to have that a little bit clear. So whenever these fights are announced, maybe they should say, due to his victories over blank, 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 and that helps us get a little bit more of a map. Right now, we just got Capitan, and and we know he's a skilled guy, and we know he brings the boxing as well as the kicking, uh, you know, the you know the body kicks and so on. Um, but this should be a fun one uh, for as long as it goes. I do think he, uh, Akimoto can go the, the distance, but Capitan's really tough, so it could be strong, or it could be a long night for him. Nong O gets a, you know, gets a Felipe uh, Lobo. And again, you are, and this is Muay Thai too. Felipe Lobo is a consistent, 
I won't use the term strong. I will say he's a consistent um, middle of the package fighter, journey managed fighter. If you sit in any kind of tournament or anything, no one looks at Felipe Lope, Lope, uh, Lobo and thinks this guy is going to be the champion of this division. You know, like especially if it's something world class. But he's going to come and he's going to give great effort. Uh, and he has been committed. I believe he lives in Thailand. I could be wrong about that. But uh, he's going to give good effort. But he's going against Nango. And Nango is Nango. And he's just too skilled. He's more talented. He can win the fight with the boxing kicks or in the clinch. It's just going to be a tough tough night for Lobo to get something going against such a talented guy. But it's combat sports. So if you land the right punch, you're done. Next one is Superbon as he takes on Maraka Gorian. This to me is the battle of the two best 155ers on the planet. I think, you know, Murat, of course, has got the KO victory over Superbon. Uh, I believe that this is the determiner between who is the best walking on the planet right now. Um, a lot of people are favoring Gregorian in this. But, man, if Gregorian doesn't land that shot, Superbon is super tough. And he's able to get that offense going. If Murat Gregorian wins this, I think it's safe to put him in the conversation for one of the all-time greats. I think he can't be anything less than three if he wins this victory. Uh, it's just he got the Superbon fight the first time around before people knew how good Superbon was. And, again, you know, uh, Indy Semelier got a victory over Superbon, so it's, like, not impossible. But um, thanks to Superbon beating Sidichai and... And uh, his history, I really, really, truly believe that this fight is going to determine who is the best 70KT fighter on the planet. And, uh, you know, whoever wins, uh, I think, has the claim as the best of their era for right now. And then the last Muay Thai fight to talk about is the Edward Faleyang uh, as he goes against John Wayne Parr. I was just watching Edward a second ago fight MMA. Um, it's John Wayne's last fight. And hopefully we get enough people behind it uh, to just understand how special a run this guy's had. You know, uh, he's been doing elite fights since, you know, the late 1990s, uh, his run in 2000s, the fact that he pretty much got, you know, he didn't get the glory opportunity, but he did get to fight in Lion Fight, and he did get to fight in uh, Bellator's kickboxing event, and he, get one, he did get one championship, and he did get some of the opportunities that came, you know, K1, of course, being the biggest one. He is one of the most important names in the history of kickboxing, Muay Thai period, just it's not just that what he did and it's the fact that he was personable and he opened up. I'm going to really, really focus hard on John Wayne Parr next week and talk about how great he is after this fight. Uh, but just seeing him out there competing at 45 years old, if, if I remember correctly, he's just an all-time great. And I'm excited for what he's done in the sport and hopefully he can ride off into the sunset and uh, you know just enjoy being a trainer for his daughter. So uh, it's been fun and I, I hope that people appreciate how great John Wayne Parr is. And then lastly, and the, you know, I'm not sure what we want to call it, but uh, lastly, we're going to go ahead and talk about the Demetrius Johnson. And oh gosh, it's just so, <laughs> sorry I'm laughing because I'm like, Demetrius Johnson and Rotang, the, the idea of their fight, the fact that it was supposed to happen this, in December, it didn't happen. The idea of this fight is just there's so much history and, and kickboxing 
and MMA to do these kind of crossovers. And, and uh, I, Aoki and Jinutsu is one that comes to mind. It's my favorite, of course, because Aoki kind of used the kickboxing round and he kind of cheated and, you know, kept grabbing and falling on the ground and did everything to get out of the round. And then when the MMA round, he comes and shoots a takedown and he runs into a jumping knee from Jinutsu. One of my all-time favorite moments ever uh, in kickboxing <laughs> in these super fights. Uh, Bob Sapp and Jerome LeBanner, another example. Um, it's There's just history here with this. The only difference between that history and this history is Demetrius Johnson was truly, legitly the one of the all-time greats in MMA history. And Rod Tang is not one of the all-time greats in Muay Thai, but he is the all-time, all-action fighter of his generation. You, you, you want to see this guy fight. He's going to get hit to hit. He's just a special, special athlete. So I'm excited to see what comes from this, and I hope that it is a banger. But if you ask me realistically what I think is going to happen, I think Rod Tang is going to win the round on the feet. Uh, Johnson will have some moments because Johnson will be able to hit Rod Tang because Rod Tang doesn't mind if he gets hit. Uh, and then it's going to go to the ground and Demetrius Johnson is going to take him down and submit him. That's what I think is going to happen. If uh, it goes differently, good for Rod Tang. I just don't see it. I do not see this thing getting past the second round. Other than that, man, we'll be back with more kickboxing action next week. Talk about the results from this past weekend. And then again, really profile and talk about Jan Wayne Parr. So God bless. Thank you guys for your time. And uh, I will try to be, like I said with this episode, try to be regular with kickboxing podcast again. Thanks and God bless. <laughs>